Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Gabby Bernstein, who is a New York Times bestselling author, many times over, a motivational speaker, a spiritual leader, and a podcast host. Gabby has written nine books, and they include The Universe Has Your Back, Super Attractor, Spirit Junkie, and her newest book is called Happy Days. She started out having these intimate conversations in her apartment in New York City for about 20 people, which then grew to tens of thousands of people in these sold-out venues around the world. Gabby was called in the New York Times the guru for the next generation and was featured in Oprah's Super Soul Sunday as the next generation thought leader. I mean, wow. Uh, this was a great conversation. I'd love to get your, your input. Uh, please let me know. Send a re- Give me a review. Give me your thoughts. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. I loved having this conversation. There's some really great nuggets here that you can apply very easily to your life. And uh, and that's it. Enjoy. We have Gabby Bernstein on the podcast, who, of course, is a spiritual teacher, a motivational speaker, an author, a podcaster, a businesswoman. I mean, you kind of hold a lot of titles. So, you know, you're, you're like you're a woman of you're a renaissance woman. And your new book is called Happy Days. I mean, do you, I feel like you write another book. Like you churn these books out fast. I mean, more than most. I've written nine books in 11 years. <clears throat> so that's that's, that's that's no small thing. I know that. No, um. <laughs> a small thing. I've been writing. I have a book that's, you know, that's been due to my publisher for, for months now. It's, it's a torturous process for most people. How are you writing nine books in such a short period of time? Because people who don't know, that is incredible to be writing that many. I have a lot to say. I have a lot of uh, a lot of commitment to my own personal growth, and therefore, I never run out of content because I am always working on myself. And every life challenge offers me an opportunity to grow and to therefore teach even more. So, the books I write, I often say that I write them for myself. I write them for myself first, and then, of course, for my reader. And in doing so, I have a lot of healing, and I I have a lot of joy. And writing is a definitely a laborious process, but <laughs> it's also uh, for me really thrilling. And the more uh, I, the more m- more support I've gotten in my business, the less of a you know less of a hustler that I've mm-hmm. been, uh, the more fun it is to write because I have the freedom to channel. And it's funny, I just moved into this new office and you're the first time I'm doing anything in this new recording space. And so I uh, was sitting at my desk in my new office, which is outside of my house. It's the first time I've ever worked outside of my house in 16 years. In um, my first business, I had an office up in, you know, in, in Chelsea, New York City. And then I was like, from that point forward, I, from 2005 forward, I worked from home by choice because I preferred just being in my pajamas or whatever. Yeah. And so I've had an office in my, my house for a while. And then I was just, just now I've built this new office space and I'm here and I was sitting at the desk and I was like, what can I write? I just want to write something because I was just by myself, like no kid around, no husband, no nothing. And I was just like, let me, let me just write. Uh, so yeah, the more space I create, the more I want to write. And it wasn't always that way for many years. I was writing books on the airplane from the book tour that was from the previous book. <laughs> really? Yes. That is, I mean, so, cause I feel like your the, the books have all been like, to your point, what you just said, like a journey throughout your life, like wherever you are, that's what you're really kind of like yes. at that point of life. That's what you're writing about. Yeah, that's right. Right. And in this new book, the happy day and, and happy days, I felt like it was much more raw and vulnerable. Not like the, by the way, I think all of them seem to be, to be honest with you, but I felt like there was much more like storytelling that were things that maybe are, were more vulnerable feeling than it was in the past. Yeah. Even um, in the introduction, I, I addressed that <clears throat> in the introduction, I, I open with a story of my publishers sort of pulling me aside saying, right we're worried about you. We don't, we're scared for you to reveal this much. 
and, you know, feels too vulnerable. And my response was that my ability to be this vulnerable is my power and, and, and that is my strength. Now, they were also right. You know, some, some of, I had to tone it down. I had to pull it back. There's stories I took out because it's so much. It's, 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 it's not an easy read. My, one of my girlfriends just texted me today, a very great girlfriend of mine who's also a writer. And she said, I can't stop crying for all that you've been through and for all that I've been through and for all that, you know, we as a collective have been through. And, um, she, you know, she's just the book. She's like, the book just is just bringing me to my knees. And I think that that was only going to happen if I was a- able to be brave enough to, 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 to show those cards and to tell the truth. Well, I mean, I, I find that interesting that you say that because I feel that your um, honesty and authenticity is what people, why people like you and gravitate to you. So when like a publisher says that, I find it, especially in today's time, I feel the more authentic someone is and the more they're talking about like things that a lot of people relate to, like postpartum, like, you know, like all these things, depression and anxiety and uh, postpartum. I mean, so many of these things are so relatable to people that it, it, people want to know these things. They want. They want to feel like there's that, that there's like a common bond and similarity between someone like yourself and them. That I think that's what kind of makes you kind of who you are and why there's why you kind of have success like so much success with this stuff. Like every book is like tr- bestseller, 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 and there's a reason for it. Well, you're right. People want to know that people want all people want is our authentic truth. That's right. it. You know, the second that you start like giving podcast voice or like, you know, whatever, the, totally. whatever you do to be whatever you think you need to be, that's when people just literally just, just tune out. Right. And so it's, it's about being real, particularly if you're in, well, really, I think in any space, no matter what you do and in no matter what, how you do it. And even if you're, you know, a mom, a stay at home mom, it's about being authentic and real. If you're an author, it's about being authentic and real. The more real, truthful, vulnerable we are, the more we allow people to recognize themselves in us. Uh, and for me, <clears throat> there's no other option. Like I, I don't have a, there, the second that I start to not do step away from that truth, I have to just shut up and walk off the stage or turn the microphone off or whatever it is, because that would be, that would be the end for me. Like I have to be real. Well, I, like, were you, were you naturally like just innately good at like getting up on stage and speaking to all hundreds and thousands or thousands of people or hundreds and hundreds of people? Was that a gift that you had or was it something that you kind of harnessed over time or like, because you weren't doing this your whole life. Like you were, weren't you like you were a publicist, you were in like the night, like you did like promo stuff and you kind of like evolved and morphed into what you are. So was this a natural progression for you? Or I have actually good, good been, at it? I've actually been speaking publicly since I was 14 years old. Um, so oh. I was, when I was 14? 14, yeah, when I was, wow. I was the president of the, of the regional <laughs> Jewish youth group <laughs> and I was leading the, these spiritual weekends for like, these Jewish kids in Western, USY or B'nai B'rith or which one? No, well, I would I would belong to Larchmont Temple and okay. it was the Nifty. Yeah, oh, Nifty okay. was the was the um, was the and then the Westchester County Nifty, and I ran these weekends, these like spiritual weekends with with lots of Jewish student, Jewish kids, yeah. and knew even then that this was a calling for me. Then kind of turned my back on it for the first five years of my career from 20 to 25. I started a PR business and ran ran this PR business where I was representing nightclubs, but public speaking all throughout that. So at the time when I was 20 to 25, I was speaking for free at NYU, at Baruch, at all the universities in New York City and giving talks on entrepreneurship and public relations and marketing because I was a self-taught marketer and I was just like right. a self-taught publicist. And so I was just so um, thrilled. And I remember there was these beautiful teachers that just took me in and they loved me. They, like I would, I would offer up my services to go speak and then they would tell another teacher at this school and all these marketing teachers were like my biggest fans. And so I would go in and I'd give these talks. And what I loved most was maybe it was a classroom of 40 people or 50 people. But what was so cool was that I looked like them, right? I was 20. Right. And so here I was. I started my business. I was in my my red boots and my jeans, and and I looked like them. And 
I felt so lit up in those environments that as soon as I, I got sober at 25, it was really easy for me to segue into my own speaking career because I'd already been doing it. Wow. I just started speaking on 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 topics of spiritual growth and uh, deepening the content. Right, and, but you already had those micro. You already had those skills, and you just kind of transfer them into a different topic. But it was the same thing. Those skills were sort of uh, innate in my being and personality. And you have to want to be a public speaker. You can't just like hate the idea and then show up on stage. You have to want to be a public speaker. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but uh, over the years, I mean, I've been speaking publicly now for 20 years, and I'm, I'm, I've obviously perfected the craft and take it extremely seriously. It's my art. Um, sadly, I have not been on a stage in two years, yeah. uh, but I've strangely been speaking to far more people because of the podcast. I've started my own podcast, being right. on other people's podcasts and Instagram. So I'm actually probably speaking to more people, but I can't see them. And so I'm desperate to get onto a stage. I actually live next door to a recovery uh, center. And I've just been like begging them. I'm like, can you just give me an audience? Like can't put 50 it, sober people in the room. And I just <laughs> need to talk to them. <laughs> are they not doing that yet? I feel like now. No, they are. are. They're, they're, they're totally yeah. welcoming me there. Yes. Yeah. 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 So now, so are you doing that? Are you actually speaking at this at the at the sober yeah, living or the yeah yeah i'm gonna be doing talks there um <laughs> i gave a qualification actually for my i celebrated 16 years sober so it started off with my qualification but i want to do like a motivational talk like get on the stage and just do my thing and that's so, a, that's amazing do, can you just ad lib at this point or do you still prepare and like make sure you have everything you want to say both so i prepare because so that i can ad lib Mm -hmm. I, I think that like any art or any craft, you want to be super, the more you prepare, the more free you can be. Mm -hmm. And I have this, this like idea of what my original medicine is. It's to be an untethered force of light. And so being in that feeling of being untethered and having that force and that energy move through me. It's effortless when I have prepared, when I know mm -hmm. the journey I want to take the the audience on. Of course, yes, I could stand up and just give a talk right now if, I, if you wanted me to. You just ask me a question, give me a topic, I can give a talk on it. But if I want to present and be totally free, the more prep I do, the, the more fun it is on stage. Right. No, I, I totally understand that. That makes total sense. Um, all right. So can we just, I'll just go right into the happy day stuff. So what is, what would you say? I have other questions, but I, I like I said at the beginning, I'm like, I have like, because I've never talked to you, I have like a thousand things I want to get through, but it's not going to happen. You're going to have to just come back again. I'm sorry sometime. So um, just to let you know, what would you say happy days is really about since you talked about it from where you were at that moment when you read, when you um, started to write it? I love a good subtitle because a subtitle always tells, if, if you have a good subtitle, it will tell you what the book is about. Right. And so I'm always really, um, really specific on subtitles. And when I work with authors, I love to really push home what is the core message of the book. And so this book is a, a guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. That's the subtitle, but it's also the core message and it's the truth about the book. The the title Happy Days, you have to read to under to know why I named it Happy Days. I tell you right up front. Originally, that was supposed to be at the end of the book that I would tell you one of the publisher's changes, which I appreciated. Um, and so there's a reason that I call the book Happy Days, but the the subtitle is really the main message. It's it's a guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. And so this is a memoir style guidebook. Uh, I wouldn't even really, it's a prescriptive book. So, but there's just such rich stories that there is sort of this vibe of a memoir as well, where I take you through my journey of my own recovery from trauma and how my spiritual faith guided me throughout the entire practice and the entire journey, but, but also how my uh, willingness and bravery to go to the places that scare me was the guiding light for my recovery. And I talk about all the different therapeutic practices that saved my life and gave me life. And I talk about a lot of uh, hitting bottom in many, many different areas of my life in many different ways. Uh, I talk about parts of my story I didn't even know until I was in my mid-30s. So I'm really, uh, to your point, I'm very vulnerable and forthcoming about my own journey so that I can help the reader identify and also recognize that they're not alone. Right. And 
know that we all suffer and that no matter what you've been through, you've experienced some kind of trauma, whether it's with a big T or a small T. Right. That's right. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like the differences, because I think that's a very valid thing to say, because I think just because you're not, and you talk about this, just because you weren't potentially maybe molested as a child, doesn't mean that you don't have trauma or there's things that are you're, you're carrying with you in your adult life. Um, and yeah. So small T trauma could be living through COVID, you know, being alive during a pandemic is a small T trauma. It's in some cases, for some people, it's a big T trauma. But uh, when I say small T trauma, it's like it, maybe you weren't molested. Maybe you weren't held at gunpoint. Maybe you, you, you didn't grow up in an alcoholic home, but you had a uh, car accident that, that really shook you and you've never really, uh, you know, recovered from that. And you're having this somatic response to it and you're living in fight flight right whereas you know being a veteran and having been in a war is a big t trauma right so there's different there's different ways that trauma can affect us and interestingly it's has the same effect regardless of whether it's a big t trauma or a small t trauma it just may be more blown out depending on how how adverse the trauma may have been so, which is, you know, it's, it's actually very interesting that I have you today on this podcast because before I had, before we, I spoke with you, I had uh, Bruce Lipton on my podcast like oh, 20, nice. min 20 minutes ago. And so a lot of things are a little bit overlap, right? In terms of manifestation and belief, core belief systems that you have. You talk about in the book about, um, and I, and I really believe this to be true. A lot of how we do you know, conduct ourselves as adults is because we have fear, we have, we feel unworthy, all these things that you're talking about, the traumas that we have. Can we, can you share some of the things that, that you, that you speak about in the book and in all your other books of how we kind of move past it? It's like simple techniques that help us with our feelings of unworthiness, with our feelings of, uh, of, of our trauma, like what are the, how do we know what our triggers are like, our, and how do we kind of move past them? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, first is, is um, you said move past twice. And I would really say that this book is about moving through. Mm. And, and it's uh, good ears, Gabby. Good yeah. ears. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a really typical reaction, right? We want to move past, we want to push down, we mm -hmm. want to deflect, we want to avoid, we want to run. There's a chapter in the book called Why We Run. Mm -hmm. I know Why I have it written run. here. Yeah. yeah. So we run, we're in a perpetual state of running. We run with drugs and alcohol and work and food and love. And we run with all the uh, ways that we anesthetize our discomfort. Often people don't even recognize that they're running because it's a socially acceptable thing, mm -hmm. right? So like a girlfriend of mine just got divorced and she's like, yeah, I know he's a work addict. And she's like, but he'll never know because he makes so much money and he's so successful, right? So it's like, you, you, totally. you when it's socially acceptable, it's like, you, it's really hard to find out. It's almost easier that I was a cocaine addict and hit my knees and had to get to AA and was the biggest blessing of my life, right? Totally. So, and sometimes it's more, um, it's, it's just a little harder to, to spot. So... <clears throat> we have all these different ways that we run from fear and run from energetic disturbances, aka trauma. And we build up these, these mechanisms for protection mechanisms for protecting ourselves at all costs from ever feeling into or even identifying with the exiled parts of ourselves, the, the, the child parts of ourselves that are all, we all have wounded children somewhere in there whether we had the best upbringing or not, doesn't matter. You know, you could have the most perfect upbringing, but that kid on the, on the playground told you you were fat and, you know, you never got over it, right? So there's a lot of ways that we build up these false protection mechanisms to anesthetize, avoid, push down, push past the suffering from our early days and even adult days. And so when we start to become the witness of the ways that we protect ourselves, the ways that we act when we're activated, that's when we can begin the journey of undoing the patterns, the thought patterns, the physical patterns, the somatic experiences that we have that are 
so ingrained in our presence and our being and our mind that can't be undone without first recognizing the ways that we run from them. So that's really what we start the book with is really why we run and recognizing some of the behavioral patterns that we have that I refer to as triggers early in the book and later I would call them protectors when I start to reference uh, internal family systems therapy. So being the witness, the non-judgmental witness of the ways that you protect yourself, that might be like in my case, controlling or knives out, you know, fighting back, mm -hmm. yelling back, or uh, uh, just just writing people off, you know, you screw with me, you're done, you know, whatever it is, whatever the ways that we protect. And some protection mechanisms can be as extreme as alcohol or drugs or ways that we have to get out of ourselves so that we don't have to feel that suffering. Well, you said something that, and, and you talk about this in your book, and I think it's very true that the socially acceptable addictions, right? So like when you were, maybe when you're a cocaine addict or an alcoholic, those are, you know, those are obvious, but then what most people, most people what either they can do is they can either transfer that on, onto more socially acceptable ones, or they can be praised for those social, social, more acceptable ones. Like yeah. if you're a workaholic or you said something I thought was very, very true. It's like, you can, you can be praised for, you know, being super thin, but meanwhile, you're like watching every calorie. Like, so mm -hmm. there, there's such a dichotomy. There's such a, in, in that whole experience. So you're getting praised for being a workaholic, not you in general or people. I was praised for being a workaholic. Right. I mean, people would be like, wow, Gabby, you get so much done. And you know, you even said it today, like, wow, you wrote nine books in 11 years. Yeah. I would say like two of the, three of those nine books were written in no four, no f at least half of them were written in a much more centered state but the first half of my books were written in sort of a chaotic place of like okay I, i've got this book out i just sold the next one now i'm gonna get the deadline right now yeah. that doesn't mean that they weren't fully channeled material that they weren't healing for me to write that, that it's you th they can coexist but right. I definitely lived in uh, workaholism for many, many years because I was running from, there was another way that I ran from the unresolved, even uh, traumas that were unbeknownst to me until I was 36 years old. Right. I mean, so how did, are you now, would you say you're no longer a workaholic? You're no longer? No, not, no way. No, not at all. I have a lot. Really? Not even slightly. No. I have a, this great skill set, which is that I can get a lot done. I'm super inspired by my work. I am very, very productive, but I have really done a beautiful job with my husband and my COO and my <clears throat> director of people ops to spend the last year hiring like almost 10 people to a team that was already big. So, you know, maybe we have 20, maybe we have 20 full-time people now and that is still a very small business, but for me, that's tremendous because it allows me to be in my art, to work when I want, to take days and days off if I want to, to write, to be creative. I'm just not stressed. It's it's great. Really? So what does a day in the life of you look like today? Like now? Well, today I um, woke up at 6.15 with my son screaming my name, mommy. <laughs> I have a three-year-old little boy yeah. um, who I'm obsessed with. And he yeah. woke me up and I went, um, handed him off to my husband. And then I went and took a shower and then, you know, met them downstairs and had a coffee. And then by the time he was off to school, I walked, I, I prepared my coffee and walked over to my new office, which is a new part of my routine. Mm -hmm. And I took some calls that were super creative, you know, call about my redesign of my brand. And then did another call about PR for this book that you're talking about. And then right. was like, you know, I need my COVID booster, went and got my COVID booster. And then I came back and made some lunch. And now I'm here with you. And when I'm done with you, I'm going to go work out. So it's like, I don't know, it's whatever I want to do that day, depending on there's some days that there's a lot more on my schedule, but I have a beautiful assistant that's constantly making sure that I'm not overpacking my day and, you know, being conscious of my time. My team is helpful and conscious of my time. And it's just creative now. But that's, so, that's, that's, that's wow. you know, that's, I've been in this field for 16 years. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. So that's 
<clears throat> 20 years of hard work for now overnight chill, right? So I, I'm not saying that I could have been where I am right now seven years ago, but I definitely could have been much more at ease and supported seven years ago if I had been in a more steady space, if I had allowed myself to receive more support at that time, right? Yeah. I mean, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, you didn't, you didn't meditate today. I thought that was your big one that you do every day. Oh, yeah. Day. No, I meditate, <laughs> I meditate every morning. Um, so for how I long? meditate for, I usually get up like for about 20 minutes and then I meditate around midday, like noon for 40 minutes, um, which I have not done today due to the COVID vaccine, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. So, um, do you not I'm, feel sick? Are you feeling okay so far? No, I'm fine. I feel, I feel fine. I'm going to tell myself that I'm going to be completely fine. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so um, if I don't do my, my like 12 o'clock noon, I meditate for 40 minutes typically, unless like something's getting in the way, unless I have to, you know, be at an appointment or whatever it is. Right. And um, my morning meditation is much more like a TM meditation where I just sort of lie there and do it. And, and typically my kid gets up at 730. So when he gets up early, that can be interrupted depending right. on what happens with Oliver. More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. So I have been a huge fan of Truniagen for years, and that's why I am super excited to share that I've recently began partnering with them. I literally don't miss a day taking it. And if I were to only take one supplement, this is the one. And here's why. Our bodies produce a molecule called NAD, which is critical for our cellular energy and repair but the levels sadly decline as we age. A nutrient that can help increase our NAD is a form of vitamin B3 called nicotinamide riboside, otherwise known as NR. It is the most efficient way to get this is through this Truniagen because it's the best NAD precursor around. Truniagen helps support our bodies against everyday stressors that can really damage our cells like overeating, drinking, staying up too late. In my opinion, no one is too young to take it. I wish I knew about this in my early 30s. And what's most amazing is that Truniagen is backed by 18 clinical trials and has endorsements of two Nobel Prize winning scientists. So go check it out at truniagen.com. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. And we have a special offer for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $100 or more using the code HUSTLE20. So definitely run, don't walk, and scoop some up now. Well, how did... Okay, so this is very interesting for me, right? Because you, how did you just... Like, I, I know you have a thousand books talking about it, but can you... T how did you shift that? Because that's very, very difficult, right? Those are patterns that have been instilled in you. These are addictions. Can you talk about some ways people can kind of glean some of that from you? Because I think... Uh, you know, I've been, I, me personally, like work ethic, work ethic is so very important. It's instilled in my DNA. And I'm sure you, you too, I'm sure had the same thing. And a lot of people listening to this would be too. How, cause you talked about in your other book it, that when you slow down and kind of have patience or kind of like, don't try so hard. And I know this is a paraphrase. You didn't say it like that. More, more shit or more stuff comes your way. Do less and attract more is what you're paraphrasing. Basically, yeah. yes. Do less and attract more. That's exactly what I am paraphrasing. Thank you. I was like totally ruining that for you. But um, how is that? And, and, do, and obviously you found that to be working for you. Do you find that there's more coming your way when you actually took a step back a little bit and just let and calm down a bit? Oh, Yeah. You can create a lot by running your head against, you know, hitting your head against the wall, but that doesn't, but you always will hit a glass ceiling. You won't, because you're in the way, you're in the way of the universal support system that's available to you. So you can't actually fully manifest what you are here to bring forth if you are pushing and controlling and hustling and making shit happen. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard but it means that we take spiritually aligned action, that the actions that we take are backed with energy that is sustainable, that are backed with a vibration that is faithful, at ease, relaxed, receptive, 
Because when we're pushing and pushing and pushing, we're just literally cutting off our communication device and cutting off our ability to listen to our inner guidance system and cutting off the energy that's around us and within us that can support us. So when we give ourselves the gift of regulating our nervous system, changing our thought patterns from our, our history and our past, adjusting the ways that we habitually show up, doing the personal growth work and the spiritual practice that's necessary to undo those patterns, that's when we become free. That's when we become super attractors. That's when we really truly start living. The entire book, Happy Days, is my journey from trauma mm -hmm. and addiction and running and spinning out to freedom. So every single method in that book is how I got there. Can we talk about a couple of the methods for mm, people? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we've got a beautiful chapter that's all about regulating your your energy and your nervous system. Mm -hmm. This is a good one for mm -hmm. my audience. Let's talk about that one. And so that's a chapter where I talk about Peter Levine's work of somatic experiencing. And um, I give a lot of methods for just just you you really taking control. Uh, I don't even like to say taking control. Uh, feeling empowered to know that you have the practices and the methods within yourself to regulate. So for instance, uh, even something as simple as like a jiu-jitsu hold where you put your right hand on your heart and your left hand on your belly and you just take a deep breath in and you breathe into that space in your diaphragm and on the exhale, you just let it go. And just giving yourself that full body permission to breathe into that space. And then another example would be uh, tapping, emotional freedom technique, tapping on that gamut point. There between, there's a point between your ring finger and your pinky finger and that skin right there and just tapping there tapping, tapping on that point. And then that point while you tap on it, if you said to yourself, I am safe, tap there and say, I am safe, I am safe. That practice can create a full body experience of safety. I have meditations in the book for meditations for relief of anxiety, meditations for connecting to your higher self, meditations for undoing anxiety, anxious thoughts. There's so many practices and no one practice is more important than the next. It's almost like what one, number one, pick what works for you and do it and regularly. Right. right. And number two, I would say don't, uh, don't underestimate the power of doing it all, right? So everything I've done in that book is something, or practices I continue to do and practices that have saved me in, in re, particularly in recent days. You know, I uh, was pregnant for five months, 21 weeks, and mm. I had to let go of the, I had to terminate the pregnancy because the placenta wasn't giving the baby what he needed. And so, and that was after so a year. Of, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. But I just wanted to acknowledge that because I am sitting here with you three weeks later, a little less than three weeks later, and I'm feeling really good and I'm feeling strong and I'm feeling physically well and I'm feeling grateful and optimistic and hopeful for the future and willing to be open to creative possibilities and connected to my son, <clears throat> my son that passed. And I... um I wouldn't be there if I didn't have the foundation of the nine books behind me because each of those books is just a path on my spiritual and personal growth journey. And everything that I have in Happy Days is why I'm sitting with you right now feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good, frankly. Right. I, mean, I don't have like meltdowns or moments of grief, but I've never, my faith has never been stronger. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so sorry again. I know I've said it a few times. It's and you seem to be in a good place, which is great to see. Uh, and like I said earlier, again, like everything seems to be a building block from all your books to where you are now. For someone who's just beginning and is not familiar with your work and know and who and who and read all your books, what would you say a, a great starting point is for somebody? I always tell people to start with my book. The universe has your back. Because it's 
it's a book, uh, the subtitle is Transform Fear to Faith. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs that. Everybody's got fears that take them down. Everybody has fear-based stories that have been messing with their mind mm-hmm. so uh, and their life. And so I love that as the first recommendation because it's also a beautiful first step for somebody as they embark on their spiritual path and they want to develop a spiritual path. So that's where I would say to start with one of my books. You could also start with something different. I mean, I have a book called Add More Ink to Your Life. It was my first book. It's a hip guide to happiness. That's for someone who's like super maybe younger and a little bit newer to spirituality. Uh, <clears throat> I have a great book called May Cause Miracles, which is a 40-day guidebook of uh, subtle shifts for radical change. So if somebody's really looking to just just sort of add up the new, add up the miracle moments, that's a great place to start. Um, and plenty of people started my journey with me their journey with me with my book super attractor because that subtitle hooked them right totally manifesting a life beyond your wildest dreams if you're like yeah i want that and you know what it works the book works the methods work people love that book so yeah i like that book i think i think that was the one i started with that was my that was my favorite book and that's why i wanted to talk about a couple of the methods and i think all these methods are interchangeable right like you can use one method from like you taught a big method was the choose again the the yeah the choose again method um which the, why, can you just share a little bit about what that method is and people can try it maybe I love things that are like actionable for people that they can actually take something and then like use it in their life. Totally. You know, totally. So the choose again method is uh, the first step is to uh, really notice the fear-based thought that you have on repeat, the thoughts that you're repeating and telling and retelling and notice how it makes you feel. And the second step is to forgive yourself for having that thought because the moment that we forgive ourselves for having that fear-based thought is the moment that we no longer identify with the thought. So we can say, oh, that's just a thought I keep thinking. That's not who I am. So that's what happens when we forgive the thought or forgive ourselves for having the thought. And then the final step is to choose again, which is to reach for the next best feeling thought. So if you're feeling like, oh, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, just forgive yourself for having that thought. Okay, that's a thought that I keep thinking. I'm going to redirect my focus. I'm going to know that there is abundance in my life. And that's when you start to choose again. And I have food on the table. That's abundant. I had a beautiful coffee this morning. That's abundant. I have internet. That's abundant. I have uh, access to LinkedIn to get a new job (laughs) opportunity. And that simplicity of just really reaching for the thoughts that feel abundant get you out of that feeling of lack. And so it's a proactive practice of really thinking your way out. A lot. You talk a lot of. You do a lot of journaling, though. A lot of affirmations. But to, I mean, affirmations are a little for me anyway. It's a little hard for me to understand because I feel like you need to. If you just say something over and over again, you don't really feel it in your bones and believe it. It feels kind of phony. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, an affirmation is designed to. If, if you're if you're using positive affirmations the way that they would really benefit you would be that you what you say makes you ignite a positive feeling and a lot of people say a lot of positive affirmations that make them feel worse because they don't unconsciously are not really accepting that you know saying like I'm a millionaire when you're broke is right. not, not going to work so you want to lean into positive affirmations that you believe in So right now, as I go through this loss of my son and I think about the future and I know that I don't want to be pregnant again, but I maybe want another child, I can say, well, I'm open to creative possibilities. And that is an affirmation that's very heart-centered for me. It keeps the possibilities limitless. It no, I can still respect my desire to not be physically pregnant again. And I can be open to the possibilities of whatever the universe has in store for me. And so it's a, it's a very hopeful way of thinking. So choosing an affirmation that is hopeful is the, it, and feels good because what manifests is what we feel, not what we think, what we feel. If you think right. something long enough, eventually it becomes a, th- a feeling. But th- so that's why, you know, you know, think it, think mm-hmm. it, think it, it's going to eventually become your reality. But, right. uh, but because of your feelings, that's when it becomes your reality because you're, you've, you've shifted your feelings, good or bad. Right. I mean, I think so. It's, it's, so it's not about just saying these like blatant things. I want to, mil- you know, like I'm, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. It's actually finding something in your core that you can really connect to. 
Yeah, I really prefer to tell people to affirm how they want to feel, right? right. So I want to feel limitless. I want to feel like my greatest affirmation yeah. is I want to feel like an untethered force of light, right? Like, right, right, right. I want to feel every day. Words are really important to you, right? Because I can, I can, I, every time you say, no, not past, it's through. Like words have a lot of meaning for you. You're a writer, obviously, but words have a meaning that can actually affect your outcome. Is that kind of like, is that? Yeah, I think accurate. I think that's true. I think that uh, words are really symbols. So if this, if your, if your word, symbolizes something different for you energetically than it might for me, then it may mm -hmm. be okay. Right. So I don't want to like just be yeah. some of it's semantics, but I do, uh, I do believe that there's power and there's a vibration in words. You know, I, I like to curse a lot and, uh, I curse to get my point across typically. You haven't but cursed once. I haven't cursed with you. This is so magnificent. I know. You're so polite. Uh, I know. I don't know what's come Such over. Such a lady. Such maybe a there's lady. just like maybe this new studio space is just like no effing cursing in here. No cursing I don't know. Maybe I should put a sign that just says like no cursing allowed. I, um you've been such you've been don't so don't say F words. Yeah. <laughs> so uh so um but I do like to curse a lot. My husband will always say to me, like, when you when you curse on stage it's okay a little bit here and there, but he's like, if you piss off one person, then you're not doing your job, you know? So, mm. and, and how is that true? I mean, how do you, how does everyone, not that I can't, no, I'm going to piss people off, but that's avoidable. Right. Right. Yes. Like, that's true. I, like people are not going to like what I say. I cannot control that. Right. You can't please everybody. I probably pissed off a, buttload of people for sure. Right. And in fact, my my friend and mentor Marianne Williamson once said to me, if you're not pissing people off, you're not doing your job. Right, so right, right. so exactly. it's not it's not that. It's Zach's point is if it's avoidable, don't do it. You know, right. you're creating some negative thing for no reason. So and it's not because cursing is bad. It's because sometimes there's a vibration in a curse word that can be very um jarring for somebody or triggering for someone. So you know. That's true. But now I feel like in today's time, every you, you can't, you can't like walk even a quarter of an inch without like insulting somebody or pissing somebody off. Like everybody's very, you know, especially with the world of social media. Mm -hmm. I feel like, do you feel that more now than ever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that some of it's really warranted and necessary. And it's been, you know, it's been, been too long that we've gone the other way. Right. And then some of it's a bunch of bullshit. Mm -hmm. There <clears> you go. Good. <laughs> right. You know, it's just somebody, some asshole on their high horse. <laughs> Here we go. Right. I'm, no, I'm no, there you go. Yeah, go, go. I like it. Go ahead. You no, know, but some asshole on their high horse that's like, I'm going to have a reason to just, you know, project my anger out at the world right now. So I think that a lot of the, uh, the cancel culture is, uh, it, look, it, 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 things have to swing the other way because they've been so extreme. Uh, yeah, but you got to check yourself as a human. Like, what are your intentions? Am I am I here to genuinely serve by teaching somebody, or am I here to just you know feel like I can get some temporary high off of making someone feel bad? Right. But you have to always, you have to be so cognizant of everything you do, especially as a public figure that you're not to your husband's point, not going to piss someone off. Cause it's so easy these days just to piss anybody off. Right. So if you can avoid it without swearing, I guess that's, you know, the point, but, um, I have one that I know we, you're probably wrapped for time. I want to ask one question. Like I said, I'm trying to like get a couple of things in here. Let's talk about one thing, the purpose. Cause you talk about purpose a lot, finding your purpose Actually, I've got two questions for you. How do we realign to our purpose? That was my first question. And my second question is, how do we, because this is, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are listening to this. How do we attract a job that we want when we're not in the job we're in? Okay. Those are the two. Similar answers. So oh, good. to realign with your purpose, you have to focus on what feels good. And focus on what brings you joy because when you're and focus on what inspires you. So really our purpose is to, we all, so we all have a very similar purpose, but 
each of us individually will enact that purpose in our own unique ways. But our purpose is to be inspired, to be a vessel of, of love and inspiration and joy, and to express that in our own unique ways. And so the simplicity is rather than going and looking for your purpose, just lean into what's inspirational, lean into what feels good, lean into what, what gets you excited. Because when you lean towards joy, you will be led. When you do the things that make you feel good, you will intuitively know what to do with them. And that's kind of coming to the question about you're in a job you don't like, how do you get to the job you want? How do you attract the job you want? You attract the job you want by focusing on the good stuff and what inspires you and the joy within the job you have. So let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. Uh, I welcome... I welcome just new relationships wherever I find them. And I remember um, getting on the phone with the woman at Zara to exchange something for my son. And her attitude was just so excellent. She was just like having a great time on the other end. How you doing, honey? What's going down? How you going? You know, what's your day like? You know, just really enjoying her job. Just dealing with customer service, which is a fucking hard job. Right? Hard job, exactly. So, uh, and she was so cool and so amazing. By the end of the call, I was like, "What's your name?" And I was like, "If you ever, I'm like, my name is Gabby Bernstein. Go to info@gabbybernstein.com. And <laughs> if you ever want a job in customer service, please, I want to hire you." Now, I never heard from her, but she's still out there, and she has a job with me if she wants one because her joy and excitement and enthusiasm for the job she was in was just creating an opportunity for a new for a new job that she could be ready for if she wanted it. And I I really believe that when you show up for what's in front of you with a smile and grace and possibility and it just everything changes. My husband totally. always laughs at me but like I'm so nice to people because one, why the fuck not? Well, we really let the floodgates open. Yeah. <laughs> but one, why not be, why wouldn't you be nice to people? Like this is, we're living in such a horrible, chaotic time. Be nice, people. But number two, be nice and and show up with with grace and things will be easier for you. I get pushed past lines all the time where people give me a seat somewhere, not because they've read my book, but because I'm nice to them. Totally. Right? Just be cool. And people will be be so relieved to have I, someone be nice to them. I, I agree. I also don't think no matter how many how great your books would sell or sell, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole, and people won't like you. And that's the end of the, that. That's the bottom line. Um, and I also think I, I think that's such a valid point because you're, people are constantly searching for the next thing without being good or focusing and being a present for the thing that they're in and being good at that thing. Because your best opportunities, from my experience, are usually found doing the thing you're doing really well. Yeah. Right? Totally. I mean, listen, you show up for a job that you don't really want, but you show up with a good attitude. Totally. Who knows? Like that, Maybe that boss that you have now goes and leaves and goes to a different job, and then they call and they, you know what? I want you exactly. to come over to this job. Even though it's not your exact thing, I want to teach you, whatever. Or you have a good attitude, and you're walking up in the elevator every single day, and you're smiling at the same person every day. And then the next afternoon, somebody says, hey, what is it that you do? I'm looking to hire right now. So it's just show up with a good vibe. Exactly. Like shift that attitude. So what's a great way to shift that someone's attitude? That's all attitude, right? And and use the choose again method. Choose you know, again start method. Start your day with the choose again method. Start your day with a prayer. Start your day with a meditation. Mm-hmm. Affirm how you want to feel. You know, and, and and then the other part is just 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 smile. Just smile yeah. more. Smile. <laughs> it's hard to be an asshole when you're smiling. It's a hundred percent true. I, I totally agree. Um, okay. Well, thank you. I mean, listen, I, like I said, I can have, I have like a thousand things I can talk to you about. I don't want to like bore you at nauseum all at once. Um, but I will, I hope that you come back on and we can talk about other things when we're not, you know, we're not so, um, you know, over time for you. Yeah. I would love to come back. Thank you so much. It's been a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. You come to LA often or not really? Well, these days I know you haven't been here, but I haven't, but I, think I will be. I think so. Probably when right. the ne- my next, but when the book is out, I'll probably be in LA. Are you going to be doing it? Well, you're not doing a, you're doing a virtual book. Tour, I'm right? doing a f- free live online VIP event for everybody in the world. <laughs> so if you go to Gabby Bernstein, if you go to dear slash happy days, 
So dear Gabby, and that's G-A-B-B-Y dot com slash happy days. You can get, um, when you pre-order or order the book, whenever you're listening to this, you will get a free VIP ticket to this live online event experience. It's a full day with me where I bring the topics of the book to life and everybody can join from the comfort of their own home. Full day? Not- you're doing a full day? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm doing it with like the, um, with, with Tony Robbins people that do the, his live events that, um, they have like the big screens in front of you and you can pull somebody up on the screen and see them in front of you and really workshop with people. And yeah, it's gonna be fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then would you be doing like a quasi book tour or press maybe, tour? Maybe in the summer. Yeah, maybe definitely doing press, but maybe I'll do some live events. Hopefully, that- ho- hopefully, you know, in that, when the book's out, it's not, you know, it's not a bad COVID time and it's, it's safe to gather. Have you done a virtual event like the Tony Robbins like event before? No, no. I'm flying out to their studios to do it. And yeah. Wow. How many people do you expect to have? Do you know? I hope or? to have 50,000. That's my goal is 50,000. Yeah. That would be amazing. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Good for you. Congratulations. Thanks. You're welcome. I hope that everyone comes. (laughs) I I hope so too. Everyone go to GabbyBernstein.com or DearGabby slash. Yeah, DearGabby.com slash happy days. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Good luck with it. I will hopefully meet you in person sometime soon. Yeah. And um, well, thanks, Gabby. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Suhara. So nice to be with you. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.